Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Awesome! So, we are looking at two trees, the tale of two trees. I was thinking to be a little bit poetic this morning. Um, if you know me, I'm a bit of a storyteller and I just love the Bible. I love God. I love the Old Testament specifically um, because I've learned how to deal with the Old Testament. I've learned how to filter through the Old Testament and how to look at it unveiled. And uh, 2 Corinthians 3, or 1 Corinthians 3 says, when we turn to Jesus, the veil is removed. And then when we read the Old Testament, when we read Moses, we see what's really going on. Okay, so what I used to think is I used to think don't read the Old Testament because then you're not going to know what's going on. But that's not what that verse says. That verse says clearly turn to Christ, let the veil be removed. And now when you go into the Old Testament, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find Jesus. Amen. And I don't know about you, but that's the most exciting adventure that I've ever been on. But uh, yeah, we wanted to, to, to go on with that. And a few two weeks ago, I shared about Abraham. And I shared how we are the Isaac of, of Abraham, really, the true Isaac of Christ, that we are the seed, that we are part of God's plan since Abraham. And you know what God always does? He challenges you. He says, do you think it can go further back? I'm like, I'm sure it goes further back. Lord, show me. So I opened Genesis 1 this week. And I, don't, I, I can't begin to explain to you the excitement of what I saw in Genesis 1. And I'll share a little bit about it uh, with you today. Um, and that's where the two trees come in. But uh, before that, I want to just give two testimonies as well from the week. So um, Etienne, our pastor in Tigerberg, he is um, moving his coffee roaster. And um, they had to paint the, the place where he's moving this, this coffee roaster. It's going to be a joint office set up and whatever. But I just love this family. We are really special, you know. Like you, you'll, you'll hear now. We're really special. So I'm at work. Etienne is overseeing this project where he's moving his coffee roaster. And he sends me a WhatsApp. And he says, the guy who's painting the building is a Rastafarian. And I've started ministering to him. And I'm not getting through. I know you have done more work with Rastafarians. Can you help me? I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? (laughs) Bother your own business. No, that's what makes us so special. I have a little bit of advice, but you know what? I had an unction two years ago, pre-COVID, and I said to Kunrad, who oversaw missions and outreach at that stage, I said, Kunrad, we are struggling to, to reach the hearts of Rastafarians because they say what we say, but we don't believe the same thing. Will you do some research? He went and he did some research. So I give Etienne what I've got, but I know there's more in the family. I contact Kunrad. I said, Kunrad, what do you have? He sends it on to me, I send it on to Etienne, I send it on to JB and Emily because the church in Solaris Pass is right next to the Rasta camp. And uh, we, just, we just share the knowledge what we've got and we're reaching out. And for me that was such a beautiful thing because really we are one church in many locations, but the heart for me was so beautiful. You know better how to reach this person than I do, so help me to reach this person. Not help me to know more, help me to reach this person because why would people come to Christ or come to church as if they know that we love them. And how will they know that? If we love them. <laughs> That's the only reason. Now, you know, I, I, I like to ask every now and then, but for time's sake, I won't do it today, who shared Christ in the week? 
Who shared Christ in the week? Jock shared Christ in the week. Baron, Keith, Herman, Kunrod, Arnold. And we're not, we're not keeping score, but this is what we're about. And then we would like to say, okay, um, sh- share with us a little bit about it. Because this is the culture of who we are. This is, the, this is what we live and breathe. And we don't ask who saw someone get saved. That would be nice, but you know, it's not our job to save people. So it's not unsuccessful if you share the gospel and they don't receive it. Because it's not on you. So let that, let that take the heavy off of you. Our job is to say yes, to share, to step out. It's them and the Holy Spirit's work to, to, to get it saved. Now, I'm not saying do a half job. I'm saying go all in. So what I want to share with you this week is that I had the opportunity to share. And, um, and, and I shared at work. And I shared with six people the gospel. And what I have, I had an invitation, what they call the sharing session. And this is how you get to know the team. And I haven't been able to attend any one of those because I'm part-time, I'm, I'm consulting, I'm not full-time. But they really wanted me to take a session. And I said, okay, but I know what I want to share, but I didn't say it. I'm like, so how does this work? And they said, no, this one shared about his favorite books. I was like, mm-hmm, there's an opportunity. <laughs> but that might come over a bit preachy, a bit strong. Um, and I read the brief in Outlook, and it said, um, you can share your life story, you can do whatever, you've got an hour, you be you. And I was like, there's my license, I'm going for it. And, and you know what, there's many more things to it, um, which I don't want to for time's sake go into. But I basically shared my life story. But I make sure to make Jesus the hero of my life story, because he is the hero. And I make sure to not share my testimony, but to share the gospel through my testimony. You know there's a difference. It's not about your testimony, because your testimony can be wrong. But if you share your, your testimony as a packaging of the gospel, then that's powerful. So I share, and, and for half an hour, it's, it's quiet. It's really quiet. And then I'm asked a few questions. I said, if you have any questions, you can ask me. So I was really vulnerable in that sense. But I started off like where I was born, and I, I draw people into the story, and then I was just full of Jesus. And they asked me this question. They said, what is your life motto? And immediately, I don't have it written somewhere. I, I know I am who I am, and I'm quite happy. Um, immediately, it sprang in my heart, eternity. I was like, wow, that's a bit heavy for, for the boardroom, isn't it? And I was like, but you asked. So it will be wrong of me to lie. So I said, eternity. And then I saw that was heavy because it's a group of engineers. So to the engineers, I said, listen, as an engineer, I've learned to optimize. What did you say? Optimaliseer. That's the Afrikaans word. So we want to optimize. We want to make the most of things. So, so as an engineer, I've realized the optimal way for my life, or how to get optimal out of my life, to optimize my life and the influence thereof, eternity is actually the only avenue. Because everything else is going to stop. And they almost reacted like Herman just did. <laughs> and this, this one lady said, sure, that's, that's, that gives you perspective. And I want to share that with you, not to highlight me, but you know there's a, a verse that says, Paul says, pray for me that I make the most of every opportunity. And that's really the, that was my prayer because I knew I have an opportunity. And you can, you can share half a bit and you know, like you tick the Christ box and you move on. 
but I wanted really to, 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 to make the most of it. And that evening, I was tired. I was like, you could feel that there was pressure. There was, so it didn't just come easy, oh, he's a pastor, he can do it. It was like, it can turn out very awkward. You can be persecuted. There's lots of things that can happen, but, but I'm so glad I shared the gospel. I'm so glad I, I went for it, because why? Jesus is the hero. And he's the hero of my story. And that's what I really wanted to share with him. So six people heard the gospel this week, um, which was really awesome. So, a question about influence is how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you influence people? Now, I was asked this question in the session. If someone is contrary, people don't believe in God, how do you, how do you convince them? I said, you don't. Because you're not going to convince me that God doesn't exist. It's too late for that. <laughs> I'm wasted for Christ. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I'm wasted, like, totally. But, but if they experience, if they can taste and see the goodness of God. So they see us, we should be the billboards for Christ. But then when people come to us, we shouldn't stay just the billboard. You know, the billboard is not what it's about. The billboard advertises the product. So we are the billboards for Christ because we've tasted Christ, but now people don't want to stand and worship the billboard. They want the product. They want Christ. They want the source. They want what it's all about. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit take me in this journey, and, and, and I shared with them, and, and I mean, this is, this, some of them go to church, some of them probably don't, some of them grew up religious. I'm not sure how often they go to church. And I said, listen, it's really not about convincing people because if I'm right then someone else needs to be wrong. And then what does that create? That creates us and them. So I'm right, you're in my corner, we've got it all together, we know Jesus, you don't. That's true, but that's not good marketing, is it? What it's really about, it's, it's about life and death. And I said to them, I said, listen, there's so many things happening in the world about what's right and what's wrong. What's truth and what's not truth. What's your worldview and, and what political party. And it's all about what is sin and what is good and what is bad and what is evil. And you know what that is? That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing new. Genesis 1. I said, but you know what? There's really so much more to life and I don't know why, but there's another tree in the garden and no one speaks about it. And where I am with Jordan, who's almost turning two, is we, we, we go through a lot of children's Bibles. And I posted this on Facebook and it caused a bit of a stir. But have you seen a children's Bible with the tree of life? It's always Adam, it's Eve, it's an apple. I don't believe it's an apple anyways, but that's fine. And a snake. Where's the tree of life? Where is the, the, the Christ? And, and I mean, we got some good references, so thank you. Um, we can now help him. Or we can write the Bibles that we need. In children's Bibles, we're not going to rewrite the Bible, obviously, because we can write cr children's Bibles that reflect the truth. And that's what really brought us to a tale of two trees. So there's two trees in the garden. There's many more, but there's two specific ones. And... In Genesis 2 and 3, we read about this, these two trees. 
And like I say, how many people this morning are going to use time, are going to use resource, are going to use services, are going to sit around coffee tables and discuss what is sin and what is not sin, what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is not. It's easy. Truth is Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know. The debate should stop right there. Because truth gives life. Otherwise, it's not truth. Truth sets free. Otherwise, it's not truth. It's not about what's right and what's wrong. But anyways, we read this account in in, in Genesis. And and as I open Genesis, I promise you, it's as if fireworks went off. If you were at Iron Man on Friday morning, you experienced a little bit of that. Um, I don't usually go into full preacher mode, but that was fun. So Genesis 1. And again, I I, I bring my hard copy Bible because I want to show you for um, for context. That's, that's where I'm reading. Where am I reading? I'm reading right in the beginning. Genesis means the beginning. Now I can start right in verse 1, in the beginning. And, and Jesus said, I'm the beginning. So we can start right there. But for time's sake, we're going to have to go to day 4. Okay? <laughs> day 4. I'm speaking to myself. Um, in the pre-service, they prayed for the message. I said, yes, please pray that people get, people get what Peter wants to get because Peter needs to get through it. So... Genesis 1 and verse 12 says, And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. I think we'll miss this in the King James. It will make it its. But the King, in the New King James, the, the King James says his kind. There's a male tree. Because seed comes from the male. And this tree has a seed. And where's the seed? The seed is in the tree. And that seed produces after his kind, after the male. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Genesis 1 verse 12. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Let me just find my spot here. Genesis 1.13 says, And the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, when I read third day, the alarms go off. You know, it's like those guys on the beach who walk with those. They want to find gold and diamonds. And that's how I study the word. Third day. Seed. Tree of life. You get the point. So I don't get far. (laughs) That's why I had to go back to a hard copy. to Just get through some chapters because when I'm in this King James and and studying things out and and looking at cross-references and concordances and Greek and Hebrew, then I I really don't, don't get far. But anyways, that's not the point. So we have day three. What happens after day three? Jesus is risen. The church is born. The new creation, new resurrection. So we're in Genesis 1 verse 13, and already we have a prophetic view of the church. Already we have a seed, and now guess what? We have day three. We have a tree that produces after his kind, and we have to, for time's sake, jump to Genesis 2 and verse 8, where we read about this further. And it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. I think last Christmas I preached on east and west, and why the wise men came from the east. Um, that's where the sun rises, and there's more on that if you want to look at it on SoundCloud. But God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Didn't David say, the psalmist, 
Oh, taste and? Where did he get the idea? He read the Torah. <laughs> he read Moses. That's where he got the idea. It was, it was really there uh, already. And he says, and good for food, the tree of life. Not a tree, not some tree, the tree of life. Also where? In the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden. No word in the Bible is there by accident. So there's one tree in the middle. The other tree is not in the middle. It's somewhere. The tree of what? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil, so that opposes goodness and evil. But then we have a tree of life, and I ask, like, why is it not the tree of life and death? Someone ever thought of that? Now hopefully you have after this morning. Because there is no death, really. Just like there's no darkness. Death is merely the absence of life. And darkness is the absence of light. That's why I'm not afraid of the dark. Because you just switch on the light. You're not afraid of death because as a Christian you'll never die because the life of God is now in you. So you'll just fall asleep but you won't die. Because life is in you and death is where there is no life. So you see, this is easy math. So it's not the tree of life and death. It's the tree of life. And the other tree is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not the tree of good and evil. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The good tree is the tree of life because it's the Jesus tree. It's God is good. But now it's about knowledge. And again, what? Like all the Christian or kids' Bibles, I don't want to camp on the tree of knowledge of good and evil this morning. You're okay with that? Adam ate of it. Eve gave him the fruit they shouldn't have. That's the point of the story. But that's right where the redemptive plan of God kicks into action. And the Bible, if you will, is really a tale of two trees. But guess what? The one tree doesn't make it to the end. Only one does. In Genesis 1, we see there's two trees. But then somewhere along the line, this one tree falls away. And then we read Revelation 2 and Revelation 22. And there's only one tree mentioned. And we'll get there, so hold on to your seats. Where do we find the tree of life? It's in the middle of the garden. So what is the garden a picture of? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. I'm reading the Living Bible. It says, We are only God's co-workers. You are God's garden. His field. Not ours. You are God's building. Not ours. Ladies and gentlemen, Genesis 2 prophesies that God wants to live in you. The tree of life is in the middle of the garden. And now Paul explains this to us and to the Corinthians, and he says, guess what? You are the garden. You know what that means? You are God's paradise. You are His Eden. You are His resting place. See, some of you think, this guy's smoked too much, whatever. I had too strong coffee this morning. I'm sharing with you the gospel. I'm just sharing it from Genesis. Okay, that's what Jesus did. Jesus on the road to Emmaus did what? He explained to them the Old Testament scriptures in light of the redemptive work of Christ. And they said, our hearts burned within us. And since I've gotten a hold of, I think it's Acts 24, Luke 24, uh, since I've gotten a, a hold of that, I was like, if Jesus ministered like that after the cross, then I want to minister like that. 
Because that is what sees people being born again. And I mean, in a Christian sense, we can because we know the Old Testament to some degree. If I go to Albania, it will be difficult. It will be different. If I go to Israel, it will be easy. Because it's all of, it's, they, they know the context. They know all about David and Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael and the God and then the Torah. But for us, we need to see what this is all about. Because, you, you see, we're not... I need to be careful. But we're not to start a church about creation. There are some churches that is the creation church. Like their message is God created the world. There's no evolution. But that is a waste of total time. What we are is we are the new creation church. Because we are not about the carnal man, we're about the spiritual man. We're not about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we're about the tree of life. We are not about the old, the first Adam, but we are about the second Adam, the much more life, which Romans 5 so beautifully speaks about. We are the new creature, the new creation. Therefore, what Adam and Eve lost in the garden, I'm going to show you this morning, is not lost. Some of you are not convinced yet. It's okay. Came to the right place. So you are God's garden, and He wants to live in the middle of you. God's word is a seed, according to Luke eight eleven, and now we see what the Bible says: as believers, we are God's garden, the place where seed is planted. So Revelation two and verse seven. We're going from Genesis two to Revelation two. Okay, so we're skipping a bit this morning. Sorry, guys. But for time's sake, I, I guess you're happy about it. So we went from Genesis 2. What I'm doing this morning, and, and, and you're going to get it, is I'm sharing with you what this is all about. All of the Bible is about what I'm going to show you right now. What was lost in the garden is restored in Christ. And this is the story of the Bible. Yes, there's kings and there's nations and there's, there's tribes and there's tongues and there's epistles and there's a gospel and, and there's the book of Acts. Yes, all of that, but it's really, really all about these two trees. No, in fact, it's about one tree. It's about the tree of life. Because Revelation 2 and verse 7, let's read it together. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to do what? To eat. Of what? The tree of life. Wasn't that the plan from the start? There was a tree in the middle of the garden and it was called the tree of life. That was in Genesis. But they chose to eat of the other tree. They wanted to understand things. They wanted to know what's good and evil. They wanted to be like God. While my Bible says in Genesis 1.27, they were already made in His image and likeness. But the problem with deception is you don't know you're deceived. You see, the Bible, is, the, the Bible is, 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 is powerful if you understand what the story is. The devil is not powerful if you understand the story of the Bible. Because right in Genesis 3 and verse 15, he's, he's cursed. It's prophesied his damnation. And the only power that the enemy has over you is what you give him. Because you and I have the power. That's why he can only lie and deceive because he has no power. He doesn't have signing rights. But you and I do. You know the word ecclesia, church, gathering, gathering for a purpose. It comes from a Greek mindset, and that was sort of a governance. They were having council meetings, city council meetings. That was the ecclesia. 
And Revelation speaks about now we will govern. And Romans 5 and verse 17 says you will reign in life. So it's not just a home group sitting somewhere. It is people who come together with the purpose and authority to make a difference. To stamp that authority on the world. And we need to do that because that's what we carry. We carry power. We carry Christ. We're not just to sing kumbaya and clap hands and go home feeling good. No, we're here to make a difference. Like what Byron said, now we have a circle. We've planted a place of influence there. That's what we're about. So we went from Genesis 2 to Revelation 2. You see there's the same tree. But you know what's not there in Revelation? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. It didn't make it all the way through. It didn't make it there. You are God's paradise. Listen to that. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What is the paradise? The garden. Who's the garden according to 2 Corinthians? You. You know, we have the mindset that God sort of somewhere settled with the idea that He's going to have to be with us and, and sit with us and live with us for the rest of His eternity. Poor God. God is excited about it. You are His paradise. You are His Eden. You are His resting place. You are where the Spirit of God is no longer hovering over the waters so that we can go back to Genesis 1 verse 3 and we can teach the gospel from there because now you are no longer without form and void but now you are with form, the form of Christ and you've been indwelled by the Spirit so the Spirit is no longer looking for a place to stay. He's found it in you. You see, I jumped to verse 8 or whatever but I can't like, not go back. So Psalm 1 and verse 3. Now we're in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 1 and verse 3 says something. It says, And he shall be like a tree. The tale of two trees. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I don't know about you, but Galatians speaks about some fruitfulness. What fruitfulness do we read about in Galatians? Spiritual fruitfulness. Doesn't fruit grow on a tree? So in Psalm 1, we have a connection behind taking from Genesis and prophesying what this actually means. And I honestly believe the Old Testament prophets got revelations of what Moses wrote. And they said, well, this is what the, 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 the birth, the, the virgin birth, what a prophecy. Where do they get it? Genesis 3.15. Her seed will crush your head. Okay, a woman doesn't have a seed. God, what does it mean? Pray, pray. Virgin birth. Prophesy. And you know when you read the Bible like that, all of a sudden you gain confidence. Because it doesn't speak against each other, but it actually condenses the message of the Bible so much. You shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water. Didn't Jesus say, out of your bellies will throw what? Rivers of living water. We can't speak at the rivers this morning, but the tree in, gener in, in, in Revelation, is there's a river. The tree in Eden, there's a river. I think the river's name is Pison. There's multiple rivers there. And the, trees, the, the rivers flow from the tree. So Psalm 1 doesn't stand in another part 
And it's not something else. It's the tree planted by the river. And now Jesus says, guess what the river is? It's the Holy Spirit. But He's not yet been given because I've not yet dealt with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's actually what He said. Because they were still living with this tree. They were still eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for time's sake... Let's skip that one. Genesis 3 and verse 31. This is important. Genesis 3 and 21 says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God, made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. He did what? He sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. We have, a, a, again, the children's Bible. Don't do us any justice here. This angry God chasing them with a snake on a stick type of thing. and You get out of here. You messed it up. You see, God had to redeem us before we could eat of the tree of life. Because otherwise we would have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever in a fallen state. So it is the most gracious and kind act of God to say, guys, you think you're naked. You've always been naked, but okay. Like, he makes them tunics of leather. They had fig leaves. That's why I don't believe it was an apple. What did Jesus curse? He cursed the fig tree. Okay, there's more signs to, to that, but that's not the point. So what does he do? He says, guys, I have a plan. My plan was for you to eat of the tree of life. But because I'm a papa, because I'm a dad, because this is free choice, I couldn't force it down your throat. You've, you've seen those ducks where they force them and they have that liver fat. Is that gracious? Is that kind? Is that God? No. I don't even think it's still allowed. But somehow we think God is not good because He didn't force us to eat of the tree of life. But when we, we use that picture, we're like, no, but that's not good. God is good, but He's love, and love is, is, is free will. When I do a marriage, I say, husband, do you take? And the husband says, I do. Now, unless the bride has a gun or a knife in his back, it's, it's probably free choice. And then I turn to the wife-to-be, and I said, wife or maid or uh, bride... Do you take? What is it? It's a question. And that's the same. Covenant is who God is. God, covenant has options. Covenant has yes or no. So God doesn't keep them from eating of the tree. No, He keeps them from eating of the tree for now. So that He can restore, through all of this, what was lost, so that now we get to Revelation, and we can now eat of what was originally intended. But we eat not as first Adam who has fallen. No, Romans 5 says we eat as second Adam who has not only restored what Adam lost, but gave us much more in Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the story of the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. So where does it happen? God sends them out. God protects the tree. 
It's not like the tree is going to fall over. No, he actually protects them from eating of the tree so that he can restore what was lost so that when we eat of this tree, we eat of it in the restored, redemptive, recreated state. God's plan doesn't change. It's just like the Israelites delayed it. Adam and Eve delayed the plan. So for thousands of years, God had to work things out so that we now can live. And guess what? God is so good. He doesn't just restore what was lost. He gives much more. So where does this happen? Galatians 3 and verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the law? It's the knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing new. It's the knowledge of good and evil. It's the story of the Bible. People wanted to live under that knowledge. They wanted to have a law. They wanted to, to live there. God said, come to me. Come enjoy my presence. Come enjoy my, my kindness in my life, my spirit. They said, no, 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 no. We're afraid of you. Tell us what to do. Tell us what is right and what is wrong and we'll do it. God says, I've seen this before. I was in the garden. I was there. I was like, it didn't work. It's not going to work now. Give us a king. It's not going to work, guys, but there's your king. Give us priests. It's not going to work, but there you go. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us because it is written. Where is it written? In the law. That cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Interesting, it's not cross. It's tree. But what is a cross made of? It's made of a tree. And will a cross grow? Why? It's dead. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's no fruit there. You know, one of the amazing things in the Old Testament that there was Aaron's rod was part of the Ark of the Covenant. There was a bowl of manna. No quail, by the way. That's a message for a different day. That's the gospel right there. Why there's no quail in the ark. We'll share that one day. There was the two tablets of stone. And there was Aaron's rod. What is a rod? It's a cut of branch. No? I cut some branches on Saturday. I usually get a bit happy with my saw and then... I'm not so sure that everyone else is so happy with it. But what is, will that cut, will that, will, that, will that grow? But it does. It blossoms. This is the Old Testament, by the way, guys. What is that a picture of? Resurrection. Aaron's rod that budded is a picture of resurrection. The tree that was cut, cut off is now alive. You see, we don't have to be afraid of the Old Testament. It's full of Jesus. <laughs> it's full of good news. But we need to know it in order to, to enjoy it. So there's a tree, and there's someone who hangs on that tree. And we know that it is that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. That's the tree of life. But someone had to deal with the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that we can be restored, so that Aaron's rod can blossom, so that we can go and eat of the tree of life and actually live forever as new creations. 
Colossians 2 and verse 13. I read this in worship. It says, And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made to life alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What is trespasses? It's the knowledge of good and evil, and where you, what you did you know is evil. That's a trespass. You see, it was never God's intent to show you what you do wrong. Neither did what you do right. Because it was about not what's right and what's wrong, it's about what's life and what's dead. And when, Jesus, when God said to them, when you eat of this tree, you will die. What's up with that? You see, it's not the tree of life and death. It's the tree of life. I said it earlier. And then there's the other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So why do I die if I eat of this tree? It's because I take my focus out of life. And what is life? Life is the ab- death, is what, what, death is the absence of life. So God is not cursing them, punishing them. No, He says, guys, if you, if you turn away from life... You die. So don't. See, God is good. We have to filter the word through His goodness. He doesn't chase them out of Eden because they had their chance. No, He protected them so that He can kick into place a restorative plan so that we can eat of the tree which we always should have, but in a redemptive state. God gives them another chance. Give us a law. What does God say? Life and death. Blessing and cursing I put in front of you. Choose life. You choose life, Nee. Come on. Choose life. Your choice. Don't be like Adam and Eve. Choose life. What do they do? They choose against life. They don't choose death. No one is that stupid. But when you don't go for life, the effect is death. And that's where the devil deceives us. Because if he says, die now, you say never. But he says, just eat of this fruit. It just takes your focus off of the tree of life. Takes you away from the source. The uncircumcision of your flesh. That's first Adam. He's quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. What is that? That's the law. That's the commandments. That's the knowledge of good and evil. How did he do it? This is important. Which was contrary to us. So we were made for life. We were made to eat of the tree of life, but we went and we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is contrary to us, but now He has to restore that so that we can eat of what is in our nature, our new image and likeness, which is according to Christ, who is this life. He says, but He took this away. Thank you, Jesus. What did you take away? The knowledge of good and evil. How did you do it? You nailed it to the old tree where it belongs. You nailed it to the cross. And like I said earlier, only Jesus came off of the cross. The knowledge of good and evil stayed there. What happens? How do you take someone off a cross? You take whatever supports the cross, or you dig it out, and you put it on the ground. And you take the body off. And guess what? That tree is dead. That tree was not resurrected. And guess what is on that tree? The ordinances, the handwriting, the knowledge of good and evil that was contrary to you. 
was never resurrected, but Christ was. Now you and I have the opportunity to say yes to the redemptive work, to eat of the tree of life and actually live forever. Not like Adam and Eve, but much more. Like the new Adam, the spirit man, the son of God, like Christ. And Romans 8 and 28, believe, or 32, there about, says that Jesus, this gets me every time, Jesus has many brothers and sisters. Jesus has many brothers and sisters. Whew. If you believe, if you've eaten of that fruit, if you've, if you've partaken of the life, then you and I are producing seed after His kind. Genesis 1 coming to fruition. No pun intended. God's plan has gone from Genesis. It's gone through everything. It's gone through Israel. It's gone through the kings and the prophets. And Jesus was born. And Jesus did some great things. And Jesus died. And Jesus rose again. But when He died, the handwriting, the news, the good and evil things, the knowledge was was, was dying with him. The old tree of knowledge of good and evil was uprooted. And that's what he is no longer dead, but he was resurrected. And you and I now eat of the tree. Get, get this, that Adam and Eve never ate of. That's Romans 5. We eat of the tree they never ate of. They could, because God is not a respecter of persons. But they didn't. See why I want to write a new children's Bible? Because for so long people are camping under this tree of knowledge of good and evil. When it's been deleted. When it's done with. Genesis 1 and verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself. After his kind. And God saw that it was good. What is the gospel? It's good. It's good. It's not just good. It is news. What is news? Something that has happened. So what was good in the garden is now good news. Did anyone of you hear good news this morning? Okay, I still have a job. That's good. <laughs> have you heard good news? Good was God's original intent because good is who God is. He saw and it was good. May you have seen this morning 
tasted and seen of His goodness. And I want to ask you then, who are you going to share this with? Because a goosebump is not why I share this with you. If you can taste and see, you can become a billboard. And when people come to the billboard, you can help them taste and see. Because too many people live under this bondage of what is right and what is wrong, what is sin and what is not. And that is contrary to us. We're not made for that. You know what we're made for? Revelation 22. Revelation 22. The last book. The last chapter of the last book. Verse 14. <laughs> Let's do 13. Where does the Bible start? In the beginning. Behold, no, let's start at 13. I am Alpha. I am Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is what Genesis 1 verse 1 was all about. In the beginning. Where do we come from? Where are we going? What is this all about? In the beginning. But I'm also the end. I'm not just the start. I'm the end. I'm not just first. I'm last. I'm not just alpha. I'm omega. I'm not just in Genesis. I'm in Revelation. I am with you every day of your life. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to what? The tree of life. We lost that right for our protection in the Garden of Eden. But in the new heaven, the new, the new place where God is, where we are now with Him, it says that we may have the right to the tree of life. And that we may enter in through the gates into the city. Ladies and gentlemen, this doesn't happen by itself. You have the right. You have the invitation. I've explained to you the redemptive state of who you can be. But just like God said, there's two trees. You and I need to decide from what tree are we eating. We need to decide if we're going to live according to the knowledge of good and evil, sin and not sin, right and wrong, us and them. Or are we going to embrace the redemptive work of Christ and live according to the new fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the tree of life, and actually live forever? Your right, your passage has been restored to that tree. But you choose. We choose. I choose. But we choose for ourselves. But if you eat of that tree, ooh, then life change. And it's so good that you want to invite people to this tree.
to this life, to this fruit, to this new creation life, the spirit life. And Jesus says, I am the vine. You can be the branches. You can be ingrained into this tree, the tree of life. I don't know about you, but I'm on a mission to make this known. That's why I'm asking, who are you going to share this with? Who are you going to share the good news of Jesus with? And also ask yourself another question, how does this change you? How does this change what you believe, how you study the Word, how you approach God? How you share with others. How you live. Maybe this is not news for you. Maybe this is... Maybe you got this a long time ago. That's fine. Maybe there's a bit of a shift in what Christianity is actually about. So how are we going to let this not be picked up by the birds as we go into our week? How are we going to nurture and nourish the seed that we've received this morning? So take a moment while we all close our eyes. Just speak to the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He's the one who leads you and guides you into all truth and the new reality. I said, Holy Spirit, how are, we going to, how are we going to keep this in our hearts? Who can I share this with? How can we go about life different? What does this change for me? Help me to renew my thinking, my thought patterns. Maybe you're here this morning and you've realized that you've always been eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that might mean that you've never actually been born again. That you've never become the spirit man or woman that God is destined for you to be. And if that is you, I want you to just, where you are, just raise your hand, just, just shoulder height. Just I know who I pray for. Says, Lord, I'm reaching out, if you will, to that tree of life. I'm reaching out to the tree of life this morning. Not like Adam and Eve who ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. No, that's, that leads to death. I want a tree of life. This even goes further. This goes into a heart level. Performance based living is knowledge of good and evil. Where God doesn't want you to perform. He wants you to live. He wants you to enjoy life and have good days, the psalmist say. So Holy Spirit, right now, just on a heart level, speak to us. Show us where we may be, maybe we're born again and we're, we're going to be alive forever, but in the world or at work or in studies or how we were brought up with our parents, whatever, that there's still a, a sense of performance. I mean, the school system doesn't help with all the iraklera and balkis. And, and that's not fruit. That's Christmas tree. That's their tree mentality. How do we live from His goodness? How do we live from His goodness? How do we live this life that Christ died to restore, to give us? And that's why it's much more, because Adam and Eve never ate of that tree. Holy Spirit, I just feel like you're doing a deep work. 
Which brings me right back in pre-service meeting. I had a very clear vision of a tractor pulling a plow. And I felt God say, today we're doing a deep work. We're doing a deep work. We, we're plowing deep into people's hearts. We don't have to move quickly. But we want to go deep. Because when we go deep, there's, there's, there's moisture, there's rich soil. And when the seed falls in the deep places of our heart, the seed of the Word, that's when it can spring forth. That's when it can bear fruit. And you're not seeing fruit this week, it's fine. Like, just don't dig up the seed. Just leave the seed. Retain the seed. Meditate on the seed. Acts 4 and verse 13 says they were amazed at the boldness of Peter and John because they've realized that they were ignorant that they were unlearned. They were not the performers of the nation or the age or the town. They were not the know-it-alls. They weren't the one with the bulkies and the Ereklera and the, the certificates. They were just ordinary, ignorant somebodies. But praise God, the verse doesn't stop there because it says, but they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. The Passion says... They realized the power it has, the impact, the influence of simply spending time with Jesus. What is that? That is eating of the fruit of the tree of life. And right now, I just break a bondage over people, a performance-minded, religious, ritualistic Mindset. I'm not even speaking about just how you relate to God, but how you do life. I don't know about you, but God's doing something right now. I can feel it. He's breaking it off of you. Jesus says, my yoke, I give you. What is yoke? Yoke is wood. Wood comes from a tree. So you have to get out from under the yoke of performance, the old tree, and you have to come to the tree of life. And it's going to feel different. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel even unproductive. That's become a curse word in our world. I'm a production engineer. I know what productivity is. But it's about life. It's about life. Someone here that you, 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 you know that you're called to the ministry. Even full time. But this message is what gets you there. Because the way that you're going about it is not going to get the fruitfulness that you desire. It's old fruit. It's performance. God is a spirit. And those that come to Him must come to Him in spirit and in truth. There's someone here, you look back at your life and you think, how much time did I waste? How much time did I waste trying to perform, feeling bad for my sins? <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. He says, are you going to waste more? Are you going to waste today? Or are you going to let go of your past? 
press that delete button right now with God. Never, ever to feel bad again. Your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. You can quote me on this, but if you want to become more like God, forget about your sins. He doesn't remember. Why do you want to remind Him of it? He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased all our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and it cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto His cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Why don't you stand with me? Just take a fresh breath of air as you stand up and feel the Spirit like just in you. Feel this newness of life. Maybe you've been cut off from your family. Maybe you've been cut off from things or past. But like Aaron's rod, you can bud this morning. You can bud. You can grow. You can be restored right here this morning. What you've been lost, God can retrieve. What the locusts have eaten, He will restore. What Adam and Eve lost, He didn't only restore, but much more. The tree that they ate of, we no longer have to because that tree is dead and gone. There's, no even, there's not even shade under the law because the tree is flat on its back. It's uncomfortable, it's dead, it's gone. But there's a new tree, the tree of life. Lord, how thankful we are for this tree. How thankful we are for the restoration the redemptive work of Christ, and that we can now live in that perfection, that completeness, in and through your Spirit. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.